It's Tuesday, June 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Howdy. Is this your first time at the new table? It is. But you know, when you guys, so you guys were in Seattle, we were in Seattle. Thing. Did you see the email I sent you? I took a picture of yes. the table. Yes. I was, I was, yeah, I think it was Friday. We were all kind of sitting here just sort of really quiet in the office and walked by and saw the new table. And this was like the big news. Yeah. You know, like HQ was pretty empty, but hey, we got this new table. And, I mean, it's now. That tells like, you how how slow it was at the office on Friday. <laughs> that the big news was, hey, in the studio they've got a new table. It's just going to be so much. It's going to be a, a far more conversation friendly sort of setting because yes. we're not kind of looking down that way or down that way. Yeah. It's just you know you're right for, there. For the few listeners who have actually been to Fool HQ before and have seen the setup, it, it, the setup with the. Uh, with the table that we had before was basically a, a half circle. Yeah, so we're a, sitting around a half circle, whereas yeah. now we're actually sitting across from one another as people actually do when I mean, they we talk could probably, to probably, you know, we call this the dinner table. There you it's, go. It's the dinner table. Um, we're going to talk about, speaking of when we were out in Seattle, that's when uh, the Twitter news broke. So we will get into that. We will get into uh, some, some pretty big news in the cosmetics industry. <laughs> uh, but let's start with the Gap, which announced that it is closing. 175 Gap stores over the next couple of years. They're also cutting 250 jobs at their headquarters. And what has gone wrong with this business? Because it's the parent company of Old Navy and Banana Republic. Those two seem to be performing much more consistently over time than the Gap than the namesake stores, and in fact, it's now at the point where the number of Gap stores is it, there are more Old Navy stores in the U.S. than there are Gap. It's stores. It's going to be close. Yeah, um, I love I love the headline on the investor relations site here for this for this announcement. The headline, it, it, I mean, it's just it's great. It's it's the it's just the the epitome of, of optimism here. Gap. Okay, here it is. Gap announces strategic initiatives to increase productivity and profitability of namesake brand. Nowhere in the, nowhere in that headline do you do you see we're closing stores. Yeah. You know, we're we're having a little bit of trouble. We're dealing with some headwinds. I mean, this is all about how you frame it. And I think that headline really. I think they did a wonderful job. I mean, hats off to whoever wrote that because that that's clever, right that's there. That's art. It is. It really is. I mean, it, it, you know. But this is in response to a brand name that is under fire, um, and it's also in response to sort of the changing consumer environment, how we're buying things. You know, the move to e-commerce. Um, they noted in the release that you know they're they're dealing with uh, you know obviously much slower mall traffic today than we would have seen over the past decade. Um, and and so you know a lot of these locations are are mall locations and and you know the bottom line is malls just aren't what they were ten years ago and so when you have a a business that is is feeling any pinch from underperforming stores I mean you've got to close down those stores at some point that that real estate just becomes a real anchor that drags you down I mean on the on the bright side I mean this is I think. This this shows the advantage of having a number of different brands sort right. of under that umbrella. So with Old Navy, you know, Banana Republic is doing they're doing okay. Uh, you have Athleta, which I think is a pretty solid uh, brand name there as well. Um, so so you know the underperformance of one can can sort of can sort of be offset by by overperformance of another. And and with you know with Old Navy, I think that is a 
I think that's a really winning concept. You know, they they had to go through and close down some old navy stores not too terribly long ago too. But I mean, it's more affordable. It's it's more practical. It's more kind of everyday. Great stuff. You want to go get your kids some clothes, and I'm sure if you go through your house, you probably have a bunch of old navy stuff oh, yeah. in there. So I mean, Gap is just one of those. It's you know they are not immune to this sort of fickle consumer behavior when it comes to brands. And so when you see, uh, you know, the the sort of loss of the brand power there. You have to respond, and I mean, when you look at the the margins that this company has turned in over the past, I don't know, five years. You go back to like ten, two thousand and ten. Um, you know, gross margin has fallen from forty eight percent down to thirty eight percent, and and so part of that has to do with sort of losing the the pricing power that they have on that gap side because it's a higher end brand. I know they're not immune, and we've talked about apparel retail plenty, but I guess. In the back of my head, I thought that they were slightly more immune than others because I think of Gap in particular, Old Navy as as well, but Gap in particular, as just a nuts and bolts type of apparel place. I don't think of it necessarily as having to play the fashion trend game to the same extent that others have to. Clearly, I'm wrong in that <laughs> regard, but it just seemed like, look, if if you're looking for just basics in terms of t-shirts, jeans, etc., then you're you're going to find that there and it's quality stuff and you're 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 not going to be disappointed. But what they're not immune to and and Ron ta- Ron Gross has talked about this uh, certainly, most recently on the radio show, and a little bit yesterday, uh, what they're not immune to is is the Westport uh, delays. No, and, 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 no, no and inventory was. controls and that. Right, sort of thing. and those those are sort of one offs that you, you sort of try to exclude uh, things like that to to get a better sense of the underlying fundamentals of the business. And I think time a time ago, I think you were right about Gap's position, sort of in that fashion retail space. Honestly, I mean, I think that Old Navy has has sort of eked in there to take. Their place in that regard, to a degree, um, and it it offers a more attractive price point for more consumers. And you know, it's also a brand that is affiliated and associated with Gap, and so there is sort of a halo effect there that comes into play as well. Um, but but again, I mean, you know, just the fickle world of fashion. You know, what goes up eventually comes down, and and it's not to say that that Gap's you know glory days are through. Uh, they just they just need to you know get rid of the underperforming stores. And and you know be a little bit better about meeting the customer where the customer wants to be. Um, online sales make up about fifteen percent of of uh, the company's sales today. Um, you know you look at Gap's comp sales last quarter; they came in at, ne- at minus ten percent. Uh, <laughs> Banana Republic really wasn't much better. So I mean, Old Navy really was the shining star of the quarter. Uh, so I think they're just really trying to uh, get back to being a little bit more of an efficient uh, operation and, and to not be reliant on one particular brand. Well, they've got an opportunity. I mean, this is something that they're trying to execute over the next couple of years. So I'm not looking to add more pressure to them, but they do have an opportunity in the next three months with back to school shopping. Oh yeah, which is the second most important time of year for retailers. Yeah, and I, and I think given the weakness in the market with businesses like Abercrombie and Fitch and Aeropostale and whatnot, there is an opportunity for sure uh, for Gap to get in there and, and play a bigger role in that. Uh, I, I do think that that Old Navy will also be a big winner from from that uh, as well. Shares of Cody, the cosmetics company, up 19% this morning on the news that it is buying three businesses from Procter & Gamble. Um, uh, Cody is a company that I was almost completely 
unfamiliar with. Um, they've got this huge portfolio of cosmetics and fragrance uh, skincare uh, brands. Um, and so now they they can add a few from Procter and Gamble stable. Um, but I was saying to you earlier today, here's what I don't understand: these three businesses that they're buying from Procter and Gamble are going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve billion dollars. As of this morning, Cody's a nine billion dollar company. How yeah, are, how are they pulling this off? <laughs> well, I think. I and think why is a, the market reacting so favorably? So I think there are a few things at play here. Number one, so I mean, I think this is. This is something where these acquisitions play right into Cody's strength. Okay, this is something where they're going to get these brands, including Max Factor and CoverGirl, which uh, obviously ubiquitous brand. You see them on on TV, the commercials all the time. And so I think this is, you know, on the one hand, this is something that plays into their strength. Uh, it also, if you look at Cody, the the stock itself. It has a very, very low float on the open market. There's a holding company called JAB Holdings that owns about 72% of of this business. So the float of about 20% of the shares outstanding means that anytime you see any kind of news like this, there's just a very thin amount of shares that are traded to begin with, and and so that can really sort of exacerbate those those ups and downs, so to speak. Um, but then I think you know finally, I mean, what this is going to do, uh, assuming this all goes through, is ultimately it's going to Pretty close, if not just completely double Cody's revenue. So they're going to go from making you know four four and a half billion dollars to making eight to nine billion dollars. And so if you look at that, just do a little sort of back of the envelope math based on their their net income that they're able to generate from a revenue base like that. You know, if you look at those full year expectations with today's pop, that probably puts the stock somewhere at 28, 30 times earnings, which isn't really that you know out out there, especially if if you have a situation where they're going to be able to sort of leverage that cost structure and hopefully you know even even juice up that net margin line a bit more going forward. So I think there are a number of factors at play here, but but the bottom line, I think this is something that plays into Cody's strength, and I think they got to be feeling pretty good about you know landing these these deals. A couple of more tidbits from Seattle before we get to Twitter. Um, I, me- I meant to mention yesterday when when Ron was here because, as I said, Ron's the one who's talked about the the West uh, Coast port delays. Have you been to Seattle? I have never been to Seattle. Okay. No. Um, when you are driving to the city from the airport, you basically come over sort of this arc, and you are able to see. The Seattle port, and so maybe it's just the vantage point. But I was blown away by how huge it is. Yeah, it was just, it was just, it just seemingly went on forever. It's just this massive port. Well, and then and it's like, and, and and I was telling Ron, I was like, oh, the light bulb goes off. Like, oh, right. <laughs> so if all of a sudden you've got union problems, you've got delays in a port of this size, then yeah, that's going to have a bad. Yeah, effect. and then think about also L.A., which I think is isn't L.A. the largest? Port? Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah. when you couple well, that's those the other together, thing. I was like, just... okay, L.A.'s got to be bigger than yeah. this. Yeah, and this thing is enormous. That's I, that's I think that's a good point. Once you once you see it, it's hard to kind of think about it. You, you we we become Sometimes to to just those big numbers when you the federal government spits out one trillion dollars and everybody's like ah yeah whatever I don't even know what that means anymore and uh, and I, I think that's probably kind of one of those same things you don't really recognize it until you actually see it and, and get some context it's just a wow I mean really is yeah. big. Uh, I also mentioned how nice the weather was. Got a message from Zach in Washington State on Twitter. Well kept secret. Washington is amazing mid June through September. 
it's the other 250 days a year that you hear about. So, you know, <laughs> so if you're going to go to Seattle, now's the time. So I saw your picture out in front of the original Starbucks. Yes. So, I mean, apparently that line's just out the door. It's the line is out the door um, and of course, it's Seattle. There's another Starbucks literally around the corner from that one and just up a block away. Yeah. But that's not the where there is no line whatsoever. So if you want coffee, just go to that one. If you want to see the historic first Starbucks down at the public market, you can go down and just take a little picture there. Or yeah, you go get coffee from the other one right. and go stand in line and yeah. you know, maybe just kind of say, hey, I got my it makes probably standing in line a little bit. You know bit what? More, get two uh, and offer to sell one. Well there you go. A little black market action. Enterprising young um, man you are. So while we were out there, the news breaks that Dick Costello is stepping down as CEO at Twitter and the stock pops on the news up, I think, around 9% initially, and then sort of settled down, I think, finished up about 5 or 6%. It has since, in very short order, given back those gains. Oh, yeah. And I'm just curious, where are we now with this company? Because it seems like whatever Dick Costello and Jack Dorsey said in that interview that they did with uh, David Faber at CNBC, uh, I think that, in part, demonstrated that they... I don't know. Maybe they're not willing to admit that anything went wrong. I mean, it it's hard for me to get my head around the one-two punch of he's resigning effective immediately, and then you know sitting down with someone at CNBC and basically being like, no, 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 we're everything's good. We're on track. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. I, I mean, I, look, management has bungled this thing for the most part. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to, to agree with that sentiment. I think. Uh, so Costello, I believe, is going to be there until July first or whatever, and then he's he's stepping down. And there is no severance package because he's voluntarily stepping down there, and they're not firing him. So I mean, from from one perspective, it's it's not surprising to see Costello stepping down at some point. He we've talked about how how much he's been on the hot seat, and and if you know something didn't change soon, I mean, there was there were just going to be a lot of people, uh, you know, questioning uh, that as as the year went on, um, you know. Pessimism is is right now at its at its peak for these guys, and for good reason. I mean, I think everyone's piling on because they all want change right freaking now. The or problem gr- is or growth. Well, or growth. Give, but either way, give change me, equate change with growth. Give but, me some massive user growth, and I'll forgive that you're not making money hand over fist. Right. And, or give me change. And they want it now, right? I mean, they wanted it in that interview, and I think the you know the interview with Jack and with. Uh, and with Dick was it was interesting because you know I, I you can look at it from one of two ways. I mean, either you know they have a plan and and they just didn't want to talk about it, or they really are just idiots. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and give these guys the benefit of the doubt and say I don't think they're idiots. Now, to me, I think as an investor, I would rather they they be a bit more conservative. I, I would not want to see them be hasty and, and try to just make statements. Uh, to the media just to appease Wall Street's you know more short-term concerns. I, I do believe they understand that there are some fundamental issues. And I, I do believe that Dick Costolo was you know ultimately just in the wrong position. Now what they do with that is, is really that's the most important part. I think that you know you have to kind of let this you have to let this sort of this 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 resignation wear off for for a bit, and let, let's kind of get back to square one. Let's see what in the world they plan to do with this, because there are a number of different ways it could go. We can, we're going to speculate on it until until we actually get any any real you know uh, 
firm sort of decisions there. I mean, because there are a number of different ways they could go. They Anthony Noto is the CFO today. I mean, he he is someone who's who's seen as a leader at the company. Now he says he's not gunning for the CEO role, but you know, in all honesty, he could actually probably make a pretty good CEO because he is very much a leader. He's very team oriented. And in this case, maybe that's what they need in the CEO role. And I would say that if that's the case, then what they really would need to do is is support him with a sort of product oriented COO. You know, they don't have a COO right now. So you know, with Facebook, for example, you've got that one two punch with Zuckerberg and Sandberg. Right. Maybe you know you'd like to see Twitter with sort of that same kind of one two punch. Um, either way, I mean, there, there's no question they need to get their leadership in order because you know this isn't. This isn't a platform that's just going away, right? I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of pessimism out there. I get that, but but this is not a this is not a business that's just on its way to zero. I mean, this is a business that's obviously dealing with a lot of a lot of uh, problems, a lot of questions there. But you know, from the same by the same token, you know that that piece that Chris Sacker wrote a couple of weeks ago, what Twitter could be, I think is what it was called. I mean. That eight is, that eight thousand word essay, and I don't think I'm I'm naive in saying that it really is just this simple. Guys, take that blueprint and just start executing. I mean, half half of those things would get you going in the right direction because at least reading that piece made you feel like, wow, there's so many things this could be. And, and I tell you, what, reading that piece certainly makes you realize it seems like these guys have been sitting on their thumbs. Right, they just really doesn't seem like they've been doing a whole lot. So you know, we saw today the release; they're actually rolling out uh, autoplay video ads now. When the timeline ends, that should have happened a long time ago. So my suspicion is, we're going to see the pace pick up with these guys um, in regard to features and products. I mean, I don't have you seen the the the, the experience they laid out for the NBA Finals? No. So if you if you you know watching one of the finals uh, games, you know they have the hashtag NBA Finals, and it's it's an experience now, like with the scoreboard, the timing, the scores up all real time. Uh, you know you have tabs in there for commentary, uh, just regular Twitter commentary, video. So it is a very rich user experience from that perspective. You know that's a that's a start. They need to do more and more of that, particularly with the NFL season coming up. Make this thing easier to use, right? I mean, Saka's point I think is spot on. How do we how do we approach those next three hundred million users? It's, it's right. a great platform for the core users, and we we all enjoy it. But you know, make it more enjoyable for the people who just want to casually use it. And so I, I think they have a lot of different ways they can go with this. It's just they they need to get their house in order in order for that to happen. And if they don't, then we're going to see plenty. Of of individuals and funds with a, a tremendous interest in this company push them to go ahead and just be acquired by someone, uh, you know, with the wherewithal to, to to get things done. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, you as you said, the platform's not going away, and no one has to this point come up with a better alternative. Doesn't mean they can't, but the last seven days tell me that that scenario of them being acquired is slightly the chances of that have slightly um, increased oh absolutely um, I, I still think that's a ways away but whoever they I think this this next hire is going to tell us a lot oh yeah and I get that Costello leaves July 1st Jack Dorsey's going to be interim that's he can't be there for very long he can he just can't. Or if if Jack Dorsey is interim CEO for more than I don't know, if we, let me put it this way: if we hit September first, if we if if we hit uh, 
the school year and Jack Dorsey is still the interim CEO, then I think that they have failed horribly in their search. If that's the case, then I suspect we would see that interim label uh, disappear. Because I mean, you know, the other the other speculation out there is this is something where actually Jack Dorsey really would like to come back and be the CEO of the of the business, and and perhaps there's something to that. I I don't know, but I mean, he is also the CEO of Square and running that business, which very well may be going public soon. And, and I I suspect if we saw any sort of a situation where he tried to do both jobs. I mean that, that that would be tremendously concerning. I mean that that would be so disappointing. And it's not to say that he's not a capable guy, but but I mean they need someone in that executive suite to give this thing its undivided attention and and really pick up the pace of innovation and and just start doing things because it does really make you feel like you know after reading that Saka piece it really makes you feel like these guys have just not been on top of their game. And and perhaps you know, perhaps that's because you know Costello knew at the end of last year he really did want to leave. Who knows? I mean, that's all sort of internal, and we can't really uh, ever ever know for sure. I mean, I'll tell you, this is when we we added a small position of Twitter to MDP not long ago, and we basically said, listen, one of three things is going to happen: either current management is going to figure this out, get this thing going, and shareholders are going to be very happy. In which case, this is. A good time, right? And a good time to buy. Second case, current management doesn't figure it out. They get replaced, and then you know the the new management team comes in there and starts really making things happen. And the third option is that you know they don't figure it out. Twitter gets acquired, and you know you make some money, but you just kind of wonder what the upside really could have been from there. So you know, hey, we've got one management team, or at least one. You know, the the CEO is is now gone. I mean, we're going to see a new one step in there, and I I think this is just going to be a critical point. Uh, to really make sure they get the right people in the right places, because you know it, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to go in there and just execute on those things that that were brought up. I mean, they just need to get a consistent team in there to go get it done. I'll tell you one thing, uh, and I don't own shares, but one thing I'm going to be watching with Twitter is uh, the percentage of users in the United States, mm-hmm. because on uh, the number I saw was that of their overall user base. Only twenty percent are here in the U.S. Far more global and company yeah. from which is which is great, and yet this is where the monetization is taking place. So if they're going to meaningfully grow their money that's coming in the door, then they need to get more U.S. users. Absolutely, no question about it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.